Healing Flight presents Sports Radio 610 live from Radio Row. Coming to you live from Las Vegas, here's Payne and Pendergast. Hi, we are uh, localizing opening night here at, uh, at, at, the, uh, at the Super Bowl, at Super Bowl 58. All the, uh, the, the Chiefs and the 49ers met with the media last night. All the big topics out there, all the big names, the stars were out last night. And we're going to localize it a little bit because there are ties to the Texans with both of these teams. As we welcome you back in here on a Tuesday, Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, presented by Yingling Flight, bringing us out here for Radio Row this week. And you can watch us on the YouTube and Twitch streams as well. Those are up and running, same way they are when we're in studio. Hmm. They're up and running, and you're getting all the behind the scenes out here in Las Vegas. All right, so Seth, um, let's start with Fred Warner. Who um, Fred Warner, who is a pupil of D'Amico Ryan's for yeah. a number of years, both as a when D'Amico was a linebackers coach and the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah, and those two kind of just emerged as coach and player at the same time because yeah. D'Amico had Fred Warner as a rookie head coach. He had Fred Warner when Fred Warner was a rookie. Yep, and uh, and and Fred Warner has multiple times really credited D'Amico for teaching him how to be as smart as he is. It ends up looking instinctive when you watch it, uh, but so much of it is the, the little tricks of the trade you learn about how to diagnose uh, formations and tendencies and everything else to where he just looks like he just he looks like he knows beforehand where the play is he's going. one of the best in the game yeah. there's no question about it all right and i guess we should put maybe a slight warning label on the audio it's not up like close microphone it's brandon scott kind of going back and forth yep. with fred warner a little bit here so here's fred warner and our brandon scott at at uh opening night last night asking fred warner about D'Amico ryan's Miko ryan's is coaching having your game and what did you make of the success that he was able to have in his first year as a head coach um, I'm not the Fred Warner you see up here today without D'Amico Ryan's. He's everything. He's truly everything to my development as a player, uh, as a man, and uh, I'm, in, I'm forever indebted to him. I'm, I'm not surprised by the way that they had the success that they had over in Houston this year because uh, I knew he was going to build a culture right away uh, of them doing the right, the right stuff the right way. Uh, they happened to drafted a really talented quarterback who is going to be their leader of the future and uh, really happy for him. So that audio is fine. Um, so I, when I hear stuff like that, I, I, like for me, Seth, for the Texans, and especially this offseason with all the cap space and the needs that they have at that position too, yeah. at linebacker, I always think, man, like the infomercial continues for D'Amico <laughs> Ryans. You know, when you hear Fred Warner, one of the best in the game, saying he's indebted to him for how good he is. That was one thing about D'Amico last year. And the the things that the various 49ers defensive players would say about D'Amico, you know, everybody's going to say nice things about anybody they're asked about. You know, the, the, even if they despise the person, they're going to say nice things. So, yeah, you kind of have to run it through the filter of, okay, is this different than what you normally hear? Right. And, I mean, Nick Bosa just flat out said he was the best defensive coordinator he'd ever had. Uh, Fred Warner multiple times has had praise just like he gave right there. Indebted is yeah, big. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, the biggest thing, if you're going to be as nervous as possible about every little thing, which every football fan should be in the offseason, the, the huge question is always, okay, it, over time, you know, is D'Amico going to be able to devote enough time to the defense that you still get that effect? Or do, because I saw this with Dom Capers. Dom Capers kind of always had to fight a fight between helping out on defense versus being an actual head coach. Yeah. And if you don't balance that properly, 
you, both sides suffer. Right. You know, you you just end up trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. So with D'Amico, I, I always wonder, he only knew Matt Burke last year. They were getting to know each other on the fly. Mm. And D'Amico ended up, I think D'Amico was very open. I, my read on it is that D'Amico at the beginning was very open to not calling plays. Mm-hmm. But it was going to have to be the perfect situation. And, and it ended up being D'Amico calling plays. I would love at some point for D'Amico to be able to pass it off to Matt Burke or somebody else. Because I think like all of D'Amico's actual head coaching skills are just – he's such a rare personality that I think as long as D'Amico has to focus as, as much as he does on the defense, you're not necessarily going to get the, the full benefit of D'Amico, the head of coach. The, yeah, 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 of all those presidential qualities that he has. Presidential, yeah. Presidential, CEO types, yeah. Go. Uh, all right, let's get CEO. To... Except that, unlike CEOs, he would not lie about his golf score. Right, right, right. And his friendly demeanor is actually yeah. indicative of who he is, as opposed to my CEO qualities, where my friendly demeanor is masking some sort of nefariousness. According yeah. To the personality test that we did last your personality week. assessment, which was yeah. basically like he's a hell of a guy, but watch your back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's get to Kyle Shanahan, uh, head coach of the Forty Niners. Of course, D'Amico Ryan's and Bobby Slowick both. Uh, used to work for Kyle Shanahan last season. Here's Kyle Shanahan on the Texans head coach in OC. I mean, being on this coordinator for Houston was so good because I got it at a young age and I got put with a real good team that people didn't realize was good yet with Matt Schaub and um, Owen Daniels and Andre Johnson and Kevin Walter. We had so many good players. People weren't ready to be out of For me to get in that gave us some success and then for me to learn how different everything else is when you go to different players and stuff and how you got to always adjust. So it was cool to realize how you can succeed with one group and how you got to change it up for another. What was it that made the, the, the what is it that you think made D'Amico Ryan's a good head coach this first year? Because he knows what he's talking about when it comes to football and in terms of his character and how he is as a man, it's right on. What about Bobby? Same thing. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> you have two lines right below D'Amico's well, name. It's the same know, thing. I mean, that sounds basic when he said because he knows what he's talking about. Look, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> that's a that's a big deal. Just competence. Uh, Charisma's great, but without yeah. competence, you get found out real quick in the NFL. Aaron, watch this. This is where I asked Seth the question I already know the answer to. So, Seth, have you played for any coaches that didn't know what they were talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, for one, <laughs> I mean, Richard Smith uh, is a defensive coordinator. was just an, a, a mess. Yeah. And he knows enough about football. He just shouldn't have been a defensive coordinator. Right. He's a linebacker's coach with the Colts now, and uh, that's where he should should always be. But I think the, the other guy, Gary Moeller, is the one that popped into my mind, honestly, because Gary Moeller was our defensive coordinator one year in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So Gary Moeller, former head coach of the University of Michigan, and I know exactly why he got the job, because he, at least my opinion on it is, I think there was a year we had trouble stopping the run, mm-hmm. and Gary Moeller gives a hell of a pep talk about, we're going to get in there, yeah. and we're going we're gonna to hear the helmet smash. He's a salesman. Yeah, yeah, and I think he gave that speech to Coughlin, and Coughlin thought, this is exactly what we need. Hook, line, and sinker. And you get about two days into meetings with Gary Moeller, and you're like, this, because he'd only been in the NFL for a couple years at that right. point. He'd had his incident at University of Michigan. That's right. A little bit of a vehicular issue. Yes. And he ends up getting a job in the NFL. He didn't know 
anything. Oh, he was lost. Like we'd be watching film, and he's misidentifying <laughs> formations and stuff, and everybody. And our, our our position coach at the time was just like doing everything he could, just seething oh, to not no. to not badmouth the defensive oh, coordinator. No. So it was ugly, Oof. and that was right from the very beginning. But he saw. But I enjoyed his pep talks. Yeah, he gave awesome pep talks yeah. on, on uh, the, the Saturday nights before the game and everything. <laughs> he was entertaining. But I'm like this is. Gonna- <laughs> I will go out and die for this guy, and I definitely will die. He's definitely going to run us into like an artillery round or something. <laughs> that is great. Like, command's going to get on the radio to to Captain Moeller, and he's going to tell like, "Hey, go left." And Moeller's going to be like, "All right, fellas, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to go right like hell. We're like crazy." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> We're going to do the wrong things with great gusto. <laughs> um, and, and that first part of Kyle Shanahan's answer, I didn't set that up totally properly. He was talking about his time in Houston as the OC back in during the Kubiak era. You forget Kyle Shanahan was an OC for over a decade in the NFL before he he was see, you know there's a there's a young man's aspect to him but he was a coach for a long long time honestly if he, if you took him and transplanted him to right now yeah. he would have gotten a head coaching job a lot earlier for sure cuz now coaches have gotten to that motive they're willing to take they're willing to take a risk on a guy like Kyle Shanahan who doesn't seem to kind of have the classic personality or what have you of a head coach and they just want to get that offense yes, in there. They yes. just want to go. Yep. This is why I, uh, I wonder and worry about uh, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, who's interviewing with the Cowboys yep. right now. Yep. Mike McCarthy would be able to hire him. I worry about some of these young, these nouveau head coaches mm-hmm. who uh, might be afraid to stand up to a grumpy old man like mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like cause, oh, he's an actual football coach. Yep. He's almost always had awesome defenses until the end there at Minnesota. If the Dallas Cowboys are serious about football, They'll hire Mike Zimmer and never let him go. Mm-hmm. He'll be their he'll be their Dick LeBeau. That's uh, that that's it's nice to get a guy that you feel like isn't going to leave for a head coaching job. There's a song in the 1990s. Will you be my Dick LeBeau? There should have been. Will you be my Dick LeBeau? There should have yeah. been. We'll come up with the lyrics. Um, all right, be hey my, Ben, be my be my. What song is that? Oh, go ahead. Text in seven one three five seven two four six ten. Ben, let's skip to Justin Reed too. Justin Reed, of course, two years ago was a Houston Texan in one of the worst seasons in the history of the franchise. Um, very publicly, <laughs> at least story, like at least rumored, there was uh, there, there were dust ups behind the scenes with Justin Reed, where he he was sat down for a game because he got into it with uh, with some of the coaches. Um, he's gone to Kansas City and it's gone great for him. He's making a lot of money and he's been to two Super Bowls. He's been watching the Texans from afar. Here's Justin Reed, former Texan safety, on C.J. Stroud and the Texans. What would you say is kind of that secret sauce to go from, to kind of go from here to there, take that next step yeah, to be that uh, kind of team? First is culture, and part of that culture equation is your best players being great leaders, being great people, great leaders. Um, nobody's on a pedestal. Nobody feels better than the man next to him. It doesn't matter if you're a starter or a practice squad player. Everybody is treated the same. Everybody works the same way. And we have trust in everyone to make a play whenever your name is called. So uh, that culture being built and uh, a worker's mentality to come in and put in the work is the secret sauce, man. So, yeah, so the brand, that was Brandon Scott asking the question, like, what's it take for the Texans to get to the next step to where you guys are right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Culture's a big thing. Yeah, and, uh, look, Justin Reed was here when everything was all askew. Bad. Yeah, and then yeah. he goes up to a place in Kansas City where Andy Reed just uh, – Andy Reed's much tougher than people realize. He's way stricter than people realize, but he has a way of doing it where I think kind of like D'Amico, without all the extra BS, yeah. 
So you just kind of you set high standards and expectations. And, and, and sometimes the great thing about that is, as you've seen in Kansas City, you can take on guys who are character risks mm-hmm. or whatever you might call them. And maybe they lack maturity at times. Not ju- Justin Reed's not one of those guys. No, no. But you can take on a lot of maybe problematic guys and all of a sudden, lo and behold, it's like sending them to military school. Yeah. And, oh, wow. You give them some high expectations and a little bit of support, and they thrive. That's a great analogy. Military school. That is yeah. a really good analogy. All right. Um, I wanted to get to Brock Purdy this segment. Um, as, as we know, if you listen to this show, Seth, I'll let you articulate it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how do you like your quarterbacks to be wired, your quarterbacks and your head coaches? I like them to lack perspective yes. on life. Right. I like them to be... Uh, d- dismissive of the work-life balance. Right. I like to have their uh, entire identities tied up in being a quarterback. Yeah. Hey, Ben, let's skip to the second one on Brock Purdy because I think that addresses perspective a little bit better. Here's Brock Purdy on his – this is not from last night. This is actually from a podcast <clears throat> uh, earlier in the week. Here is Brock Purdy on his perspective. Yeah, exactly. Just my identity, you know, not being in, in this football – this life, um, you know, the things that can come with it. And it's it's all, you know, such a blessing. I'm very thankful for it, and I'm not taking it for granted. But I honestly, my mindset is I try to hold this all loosely, you know, not try to hold on to I need to be the guy, the starter in the NFL, this and that. And I think the more you think like that, the more you start comparing yourself to guys like that, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen or whatever, and those guys are great. But I'm not them, and they're not me. Like, I know who I am, and – God, if you want me to do great with this, great. If not, all right, let's go do something else, wherever you need me. And um, mm. that's allowed me to not put all this pressure on myself. It's allowed me to play yeah. free. It's allowed me to live my life and keep things simple. Okay, and, enough perspective. Uh, enough of, yeah, is, yeah, enough of this is what I always tell guys. This is where sometimes um, uh, as a coach, somebody asked if I would ever go into coaching. Tell me if this is who you want as your, your kid's coach. If a, young, uh, if a young kid comes off to the sideline and says, well, I guess God just didn't want us to win today, I say, what if God wanted you to win and you let him down? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how about that? Huh? You're going to hell, kid. <laughs> In fact, God you is... Even, you even wretch. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm not buying it, Brock Purdy. Uh, uh, yeah. identity. God want God doesn't want you to God doesn't want you to take half measures in no, your life. No, he no. wants you to hold on to that starting job. L- listen to this. This is yeah. this is from from last night. Brock Purdy, if I were Mr. Irrelevant and I was a quarterback, I'd be walking around with the list in my back pocket or in my brain. Yeah, be petty. Of all the guys drafted in front of me. Here's Brock Purdy being asked if he can name the thirteen quarterbacks taken ahead of him in the draft two years ago. Well, eight quarterbacks that got drafted before you. Can you name them and what school they went to? No, no, I'm not, yeah, I, honestly, uh, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I know a couple of the guys that got drafted before me, but I've never held a grudge for it or anything. I'm a, I'm a believer that, you know, God has a plan for everybody, and, and I fell last for a reason. And so um, I've, I haven't held any grudges against other teams. It, it all happened how it needed to, and I'm blessed to be part, part of the 49ers. No, it's um, like obvious. I, I'm mostly joking about lacking perspective completely. Yeah, but there is a little bit of uh, like, like you know Tom Brady, like he's petty and vindictive. Yes, you know? yeah. <laughs> like uh, Peyton Manning was obsessive about that stuff. If you're asking me which personality type I feel like is going to win a Super Bowl first, I would say the petty, vindictive Tom Brady types. Yeah, as long as they got the skills to go with this it. This is the thing. Um, is, these are mistakes people make sometimes uh, that they think that they're going to have like. <laughs> 
an incredibly well-balanced and perfect life while also being at the apex of the profession. Right. Like, ah, something's got to give. Likely not. You're, you're, you're aiming for too much right there. Yeah. Um, so there's that. <laughs> the other, I'm, the other I'm thing still is, trying to process you telling a kid that he let God down. He really did. <laughs> and it happens all the time. And then, <laughs> then the other thing, like in fo- this happens in football a lot. People mistake uh, what's best for athletic performance versus what's actually good for a healthy lifestyle. Right. Like football is not a healthy lifestyle. There's nothing about football and the way you train or anything that's actually good for your no, longevity. No. You know, it's, no, uh, it's there's a-, <laughs> a reason the commissioner has to address things like concussions and player safety. Yeah. Every Every year at a state of the NFL press conference, I have this talk with guys after they retire a lot. I'm like, dude, you're like, honestly, what you're doing right now is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you're still training, like you're like you're trying to get ready to play a football game. You're you're actively damaging your joints oh right now. Oh my god! All right, let's get to the uh, let's get to some headlines. Seth's dreams of a of a trip to Brazil to cover the Texans, at least for this season. Are over. They we'll put get, up a wall. We'll get to that <laughs> figuratively. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Bill O'Brien might be on the move as well. Bill O'Brien. We'll have that. We'll have that. We'll have that in headlines coming up. Coming up next. Wait First, till you hear this about Bill O'Brien, everybody. Oh my god! Unbelievable. Yep, yep, yep. We'll get to that in headlines coming up next.